God is looking for his people to rise up. Well, we're going we gonna to try to get that devil a fit in 2021. I don't know how many uh, of you guys spending that quality time with the Lord, but uh, I hope you are in your, in your word, in your prayer, because that's where the power is going to come from. Okay, that's what the encouragement. You know, David encouraged himself in the Lord. When he, was, when he was discouraged, he encouraged himself in the Lord. So today we're going to be in, we're back to Revelation. This is the last church that we're going to discuss. We were discussing the seven churches. And this is the last church that we're going to discuss today, the Laodicean church. Revelation 3, verses 14 through 22. Revelation 3, verses 14 through 22. This is the lukewarm church. We're going to be addressing the lukewarm church. Church of the Laodiceans, Revelation 3, verses 14 through 22. And it reads, as the, as the angel of the church of this Laodiceans write, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, he didn't say it, because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich in white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. That also overcame and sat on my father's, on his throne. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be accepted in, in your sight. O Lord, my strength, my redeemer. Amen. He always say the, he that has an ear, let him hear. Over and over every book he says that. And when he says that, that means you listen to what I have said. Pay attention to closely what I've said. The last of the seven churches in Asia Minor, Laodicea was the wealthiest of the seven cities known for its banking industry. Manufacturers of wool and had a medical school there that produced ISAF. This medical school produced massive ISAF. Located about 145 miles southwest of Philadelphia and about 100 miles east of Ephesus, it was destroyed in 62 AD. Rebuilt by its, by its wealthiest citizens, 
without any help from the state at all. The city is totally destroyed, but did not need any assistance from the state because they were so wealthy. But the city had always had a problem with, with water supply. Always had a problem with water supply. At one time, an aqueduct was built to bring water to the city from hot springs. By the time the water reached the city, it was neither hot nor refreshingly cold, but it was lukewarm because it had to travel so far. The church had become as blind as the lukewarm water that it, it blend, uh, bland as a lukewarm water that came to that city. Laodicea had warm water flowed from miles through an underground aqueduct and visitors that visited the Laodicea church, if they tasted that water, they would spit it out. The, the name Laodicea means the rule over the people and suggests a democratic church that no longer followed, they no longer followed spiritual leaders or the authority of the word of God. They had become lukewarm. They did not zealously stand for anything. As the old saying goes, if you don't stand for something, you'll settle for anything. The first, century, the first century church of the Laodiceans had allowed her devotions to Christ. She had allowed her devotions to Christ to shift into neutral. Jesus found nothing to commend this church for, nothing. The first converts in Laodicea probably came to Christ as a result of, of the ministry of Paul and Epaphras, Acts 19 and Colossians 4. Colossian church revealed Paul, Paul's very concern for this church. And Paul mentions this church in Colossians chapter 4, verse 16. He said, now, when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read this epistle from Laodicea. This letter was to be quickly read in the churches in Colossae and Laodicea. So Jesus said, verse 14, to this lukewarm church and to the angel of the Lord and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the amen, the faithful witness, the true witness in the beginning of creation. The angels is a messenger of the, pa of the pastor, but the Lord presented himself as the amen, which is an Old Testament title for God, Isaiah 65, 16. A common biblical expression of signifying certainty. So be it. Amen. He's signifying certainty. The one who guarantees everything he guarantees he's confirming is true. All the promises of God, 2 Corinthians 1.20. All the promises of God in Christ is yes and amen. And I encourage you, when you are discouraged... I want you to focus on the promises of God. You know, one day this is going to be all over, folks. It's going to be, it won't be no pandemics in heaven. It's going to be all over. So we got to stay the course now. Above now, we, can't, we cannot retreat. 
All the promises of God are unconditional. They're guaranteed. And when you came to Christ, all those promises went to you. So he said all the promises of God in him, amen. Uh, so be it. Other words, God is going to have the last word. Amen. Now they can say what they want, but in the end, God is going to have the last word. And he's going to sort all this mess out. All this stuff you're saying, when, I hope we won't be here when he, when he sorts it out, but he's going to sort it all out one day. And it said that verse, he's also the truth. He speaks the truth. And he's a faithful witness. He's the faithful witness. He is completely trustworthy. That means the faithful witness, you can completely trust him. He's accurate. He's the truth. The Lord was about to tell this church, he's about to tell this church the truth about its spiritual condition. Unfortunately, they would not, they would not believe his diagnosis. He said he was the beginning of creation. And that one verse is, is just packed. He said he's the beginning of creation. In other words, he was, he's the source of creation, of creation. He was not created himself. He is the source of creation. The beginner, the originator of creation. He is the creator of all things. The cultists often use this verse to say that Jesus was created and therefore was not co-equal with God. Wrong. The Bible says in John 1, 3, all things were created through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Hebrews 1, 2, he has, has in the last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has anointed heirs of all things. Through him also he made the world. He was not created, but he made all things. So he said he was the beginning of creation. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. He created it. As a man, yes, he had a beginning, but as God, there was no beginning. Jesus was the faithful and true witness. The Greek word witness can also be translated martyr. He was crucified. He was martyred for our sins. And those that live God in Christ Jesus, the Bible says they shall, they shall suffer persecution. But to this church of the seal, you can't talk about suffering. They didn't want to hear that. You know, we want to all live a positive life. But in this church, you would never, you would never hear a message about suffering. In this church of the seal, you would never hear, hear a message about persecution or martyrdom. As some churches today. Some churches today, they never talk about sin or repentance. They never talk about suffering or persecution or judgment or the wrath of God. They never talk about hell. Because they say that this is negative and turn people away. So they only, pre they only preach the positive messages. 
They tickle, they tickle people's ears only with positive messages. And their churches are full of people. Maybe, maybe that's why my church is small, because I preach the whole council. The whole council of God. See, a, a pastor is responsible not only for what he says, but what he doesn't say. Isn't that right? I mean, some things I don't like to talk about, but if it's in the scripture, you can't just tear the page out and throw it in the trash. You got to address it. But he said that verse 15 and 16, I know your works. You know God knows your works too. Whatever you do for Christ, you know it's going to last. He knows your works. He knows what you do for him. Now the things you do is going to, the things you do here is going to count there. So you can, people say, well, you say by grace, not by works, and that's true. But after you come to Christ, he's going to judge us by our works. What we've done, how we've lived, how we've given. Did we use the gifts and talents that he's given us? He tells his church, I know your works, that you are neither Cold or hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. He is talking to this particular church here in Laodicea. He's going to just vomit them out. The lukewarm, or the, the lukewarm, a neutral, this compromising church was repulsive to the Lord. And it was damaging his purpose. A church that is lukewarm can damage the purpose of Christ. They did not want to address certain issues. They just sat and they just soaked. They were secure. They were the frozen chosen. Cold water is very refreshing. Hot water is useful for medical purposes, but lukewarm water is nauseating. Lukewarm water makes a very disgusting drink. The church in Laodicea had become lukewarm and thus distasteful to the Lord. The believers didn't stand for anything. Indifference, indifference had led them to idleness. By neglecting to do anything for Christ, the church had become hardened and self-satisfied and was destroying itself from the inside. There is nothing more disgusting to the Lord than a half-hearted, nominal Christian who is self-confident. Don't settle for following God halfway. Let Christ fire up our faith, especially now. Let Christ fire us up, especially now, into action. God wants, God wants us to serve him enthusiastically, wholeheartedly. He does not appreciate a half-hearted, half-effort believer that is not acceptable to him. He would prefer that we be cold toward him rather than lukewarm. He desires 
His desire is that we be red hot on fire, stirred up for Christ. And right now, with all this stuff going on in the world right now, these Christians ought to be fired up. Amen. And I was, Because you're seeing the prophecy being fulfilled before your very eyes. And nothing can change prophecy. They asked Jesus in Matthew 24, what would be the signs of your coming in the end of the age? And Jesus said, be not deceived. Many will come in my name saying I'm the Christ and will deceive many. I was always wondered about that. He said, be not deceived. So Satan uses deception and lies to control the world. And you see it today, don't you? But he wants us to be red hot for Christ, stirred up in his word. And he's going to use every believer, he's going to use every believer in these last days to speak up. Why would God rather someone be cold or hot rather than lukewarm? You, you think, well, to be cold or to be hot, it beats nothing. I believe it's because lukewarm people are easily deceived into thinking that they are doing what is right. A lukewarm person is easily deceived into thinking that he is doing okay. The church, like the church in Laodicea, they did not realize they had deceived themselves by being lukewarm until Christ told them they didn't even realize it. God never does anything Anything halfway. Whatever God does, whatever the Lord Jesus Christ does, he does it 100% perfect. And I tell you, if he's got your heart, he's got everything. But if he doesn't have your heart, he doesn't have anything. When I was serving the devil, before I became Christ, I gave the devil my all. You hear me? I served the devil to the uttermost. And I got no reward for it but a lot of heartache and pain. Sin always, was, sin always will take you further than you want to go. Satan never tells you the consequences. He never tells you the consequences. And sin is fun for a season. If it wasn't fun, no one would want to do it. But he don't tell you the consequences. So this church believed they was okay until Jesus had to show them that they were not. They had deceived themselves until Jesus pointed out. God never does anything halfway, so we shouldn't either. The Bible says, whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly. What? As unto the Lord, not man. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of your inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Whatever your hand finds to do, Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you're going. When you get in the grave, too late. He said, whatever you find to do for the Lord, do it with all your might. With all your might. Everybody in here is gifted for the Lord Jesus Christ. There is not one Christian here that's not gifted in some area. 
You've got to identify that. Whatever stirs you on the inside, whatever motivates you, whatever stirs you up, man, you just think about it. You just get excited, boy. That is your, that is your gift. You ought to step out in faith and start exercising it. So you can't be a Christian and not gifted. All God's people are gifted. Well, that lukewarm church. You know, we enjoy a beverage, a beverage, like a cold drink. We enjoy a beverage when it's cold or when it's hot. But one thing is when it's flat and stale and lukewarm. That's why when you go to a restaurant, you know, the waitress always tops off your coffee cup. They want that coffee to be a certain temperature. They don't want that coffee to be lukewarm. You ever drink lukewarm coffee? I don't know if you guys even drink coffee. I drink coffee, but hey, that's just me. Uh, I'm just saying, if you drink some lukewarm coffee, it is awful. That's why I worked at a restaurant in California where I was a waiter, and, they, and the manager would watch you. And if you walked past a table and that coffee cup was not filled, you were fired. Because when you are a waiter, you are assigned to five tables and you got to watch those tables like a hawk. He said, don't you ever let that coffee cup get warm, lukewarm, and that water glass get empty. And brother, we didn't. We was on it. But this lukewarm church, it was comfortable. It was complacent and didn't realize it. They wasn't cold. It wasn't hot. They thought they was okay. Verse 17, because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know. They didn't even know what he said. You do not know that you are wretched. They didn't know it. They didn't realize it. They didn't realize they were miserable, poor, blind, and naked. They didn't even realize it. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. That's spiritual fire. That you may be rich in white garments. That you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eye, in the eye with eye salve that you may see. The church was blind. The latest here, the church was independent, self-satisfied. They were secure. They were complacent. They said, we don't need of nothing. All the while, their spiritual power was had decayed or decaying. And Jesus said, you guys say you're rich. I didn't say it. Y'all said it. He said, y'all say y'all rich and you're wealthy and you don't have need of nothing. And y'all saying that, but I didn't say it. I'm telling you what I'm saying. You are poor, blind and naked and wretched. Woo. And the Lord talk like that. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus telling somebody that? He had to point out their fault before they can change because they thought it was fine. They didn't know it. The church at Smyrna thought itself poor. They were poor. When it was really rich. But they led to sin, boasted that they were rich, when in fact they were spiritually poor. Perhaps we have, have a hint of why this church declined spiritually. They had become proud of their ministry. It had and had begun to measure things, they had become to measure things by human standards, not by God's standard. They were 
okay with people, but in the eyes of the God, they was not. The Laodicean was a wealthy city and a banking center. Perhaps some of the spirit of the marketplace of that city had crept into the church. The world had crept into the church, and the church was unaffected, ineffective. Comfortable, they were living in a fool's paradise. They were so wrapped up in a building that their own kingdom, they had, they had become lukewarm, and they had no desire for, for the lost world. They were so wrapped up in themselves, and they were so full of themselves. Well, he gave them the solution, apply that salve, apply the heavenly eye salve. The city of Laodicea was noted for its eye salve, as I said, but this kind of medication, the saints needed, this kind of medication that the saints needed was not available in the shops around town. This, this kind of salve Jesus talking about is coming directly from him. It's coming directly from heaven. It's a spiritual salve. The Laodiceans could not go to the market to purchase fine. They could, they could go to the market and they could purchase fine linen. They could go to the market. They could buy anything they want. But it would not meet their spiritual need. They needed the white garments of God's righteousness and his grace. There is no divine commendation given to this church. Of course, the Laodiceans was busy commending themselves. They thought that they were glorifying God. But in reality... There were disgrace in his name. Spiritually walking around in poverty. The tragedy is that this church is rich and knows not that it is poor. It is rich materially, but it is poor spiritually. Blind, pitiful, naked. What a picture of the apostate church today. With this prestige and with this wealth and political power, yet all the while spiritually poor. The Laodicean was known for its wool, health, and medicine. So Christ used those images in verse 18. He wanted to give them the true riches of the word of God, the garments of grace, and the ability to see spiritual things. There was something wrong with their values. When a person gets off base, their whole value twists. They twist. They had to be chastened by the Lord. The people were poor. Christ counseled them to buy with him gold. Tried in the fire that they might be rich. He lets them know where they were. And he let them know that true riches were found in Christ. Having no spiritual riches, the eyes of the understanding, they were, understanding was darkened. They did not see the state that they were in. They found out they were trying to meet their needs from the world and not from Christ. So that they were rich in all respects they need. They were satisfied. They were content, complacent, indifferent. And they thought they was okay. But they didn't have the wealth and the spiritual wealth that was found in Christ. 
While the Lord says nothing bad about Philadelphia, he says nothing good about this church. They were neither cold nor hot. They thought they had everything. They thought they had it together. They were lukewarm. No matter how much you possess or how much money you make, you have nothing if you don't have Christ. Nothing. Instead of centering on their riches, comfort, and luxury, they, they will focus on their riches. In other words, they were centering on their riches. They were centering on their comfort and their luxuries. But he's trying to say, I'm going to give you that true self, that riches that is found in Christ, that eternal riches. Laodicea was known for his great wealth. But wealth cannot buy you into heaven, no matter how rich you are. Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the world and if he loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? He said, you better get some ISAF. Christ was shown the us in church was true riches and true value was found in him, not in possessions. Hmm. But the church was so wrapped up in material things, they did not realize their true condition. They, they weren't conscious until Christ pointed it out and made them aware of it. What Christ had to offer them could not be purchased with money. Verse 19, as many as I love, I, re I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. He is calling them to spiritual awakening. He's saying, wake up. Because the Bible says in Hebrew 12, who the Lord loves, he chastens. He says, as many as I love, I, I chasten. Verse 19, therefore, be zealous and repent. So he's calling them to, to wake up spiritually. God loves his children so much. So when they go astray, he will chasten them to bring them back. Because if he didn't chasten them, they would just keep going. Unless he did something to turn them around. He said, if I love you, I'm going to chase you. That way you know you belong to me. You can't do what you see the world doing. You can't get away with it because now you're a child of God. He loves us too much to leave us to ourselves. Because if he left us to ourselves, we would destroy our own self. He said, you better be zealous. He said, you better repent. It means zealous, repent, turn around. If they would not repent, they would be chastened. He told the church of Ephesus they had lost their first love. Remember their for where you have fallen and repent. He's telling this church, hey man, remember where you've fallen and repent. Go back. Wasn't too late for this church. It's not too late for a person to repent as long as they are living. But when, you, when you're out of here, when you die, it's too late to repent. I hear people say at funerals, say, well, you know, He's in a better place. Well, I hope he is. I don't know that. I don't tell them that, but I'm saying to myself, maybe he is and maybe he isn't. 
Because you never know what a person does on their dying bed, if they repented or not. You really don't know that. Only God knows that. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and open the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. You want that fellowship. I think the Lord loves to eat. You know, there's going to be fruit in heaven. There's going to be food in heaven. Christ pictures himself at the door of the, of the heart waiting for them to open the door to him. Christ is knocking on the door, but the handle is on the inside. The door of our hearts can be opened only from the inside. To whom will become, I will grant, I will, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat with my father on his throne. What a privilege that we're going to have when we get to heaven. The Bible says, eyes has not seen, neither ears heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of man what God has prepared for us. It's just waiting for you to show up, man. If we could keep focused on that, we'd be encouraged. But I tell you, that's a lot of discouraging things going on right now, but we don't want to focus on that. Our have, we got a home that is made in the heavens, made without hands, just waiting for you to show. God said, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, this Revelation 3.20 uh, often used to give a gospel invitation. People say when they give an altar call, they'll use this scripture. But the church was wealth and power, but they, they had all the money, they, but they didn't have no Christ dwelling in them to direct and guide them. So he told them, you know, basically Christ was on the outside of the church, knocking on the church, trying to get in. Reading about this drunk man, he was trying to get in this church and it wouldn't let him in. So he sat down in front of the church. So the Lord sat down beside him. The Lord said, what's the problem? The man said, well, they won't let me in. And the Lord said, they won't let me in either. It's because you have a big church. It doesn't necessarily mean the Lord is in there. But Christ forgave this church. He's seeking entrance into all of our life. We don't want to be so busy till we force him out. The pleasure of this world, security, possessions. This, these things are, are nothing wrong with worldly possessions and material things. As long as they don't have you, they're not your, your idol, and they don't pull you away from Christ. Because, see, I don't want to sound like a killjoy, because a lot of people feel that when you become a Christian, man, God wants you absolutely miserable. And the more miserable you are, the happier he is. The most miserable you are, the spiritual as you are, you are really spiritual if you are really miserable. Some people think that. Some people think God just don't want you happy. The Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the pure in heart, but they shall see. The word blessed means happy. God does not want you miserable, contrary to popular belief. Satan does, but God doesn't. So this church was lukewarm so we can learn. We want to do everything we can for Christ. 
while we can, listening to the voice of Christ, not listening to the false teachers. The Bible said, watch what you hear. Watch who you listen to. But there's a lot of ministries out there, and they, they use the name of Jesus Christ, but we don't give them one penny unless I know their doctrine. If they're teaching false doctrine, and they call me, and they send me a letter, uh, email, and say, we want financial support, I'm going to not give them any finances, because if I, if I give them finances, I'm helping them further that false doctrine. And you know, there's so many people out there now asking for money. Man, I tell you, uh, I have people call me all the time and they say, hey, I just need food, food. I say, you know what I tell them? I say, tell you what, uh, you come to church on Sunday morning and we'll talk about it. They never show up. Some people, they, they call church to church to church and they're just ripping churches off like crazy. If a person is not willing to come to church to talk to me, then no, no finances for him. Opportunity in these last days is unlimited. My prayer to you today, be a light wherever you go. Be salt wherever you go in your neighborhood. And try to be as happy as you can in spite of the circumstances. God is good. God's got this. God's in control. And the rapture could happen today. And all of our problems would be solved, wouldn't they? And if it doesn't happen, then God will give us the strength. Whatever is around the corner, only he knows. Right now, it doesn't look good, but he's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. So if you're here today... If you're not a believer and you would like to ask Christ to come into your life, just say a little simple prayer. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. I believe you died and rose again on the third day. And I accept you as my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says you can be saved just by saying a little prayer. And it's available for you. You can have you have free will to say yes to eternal life, or you can say no. God never sends anyone to hell. You send yourself to hell by rejecting Christ. He has made provision that everybody can go to heaven. But if you say you don't want it and not going to do it his way, then you're not going. Because there is no other way. Well, that's another sermon. So let's close in a word of prayer. God bless you guys. Thank you for your patience. I know I, know I get excited about some of this stuff, but uh, I guess I should. I'm the pastor. If I don't, then who will? So let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time. Bless your people as they go and encourage their hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.